Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Just Get Started podcast. I'm your host, Brian Andreco, and thanks again for being a part of this journey. I just want to ask one quick favor before we jump into this episode. You know, I've been organically growing this podcast for over five years, and I need your help to keep the momentum going. There's two things you can do. One is leaving a five-star rating on either Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Spotify is a lot easier. You'll see the rating button right at the top. Apple Podcasts, you have to scroll down the page a little bit, and you'll see a write a review button. Additionally, if you want to share this out with your audience on your social channels, text it to a friend or colleague or family member, whatever you have to do to pass this along to individuals that you find may need the help and may be looking to get started. So either of those things or both of you like would be appreciative so I can get this podcast out to more individuals and we can help more people get started and move in the right direction to a more happy and fulfilling life. So thanks again for your help and grateful to have you here on another episode. Let's get it started. On today's episode, I welcome in Larry Hagner, who is the founder of the Dad Edge Podcast and Alliance and is featured as one of the top dad podcasts on iTunes. The show's received over 5 million downloads and has featured some of the most elite humans on the planet. And before we jump in the episode, I want to read the Dad Edge mission, as I think this is going to set up our interview really well. The mission of the Dad Edge is to empower men to live and lead legendary lives. The Dad Edge empowers men to create legendary marriages, create epic connections with our kids, master our personal finances, optimize our health, physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual, and become a leader within their family. And we talk a lot about these aspects and some of Larry's story and how he got to start the Dad Edge and where he's been taking it from there. So I hope you all enjoy this conversation I have with Larry. And without further ado, please welcome in Larry Hagner. Larry, welcome to the podcast. Glad to have you, man. What's going on, brother? Good to, good to be here, man. I'm, I've been excited for this uh, for a while here. I've been following your content a little bit recently. And, um, you know, I enjoy, I, I think partly because I'm a dad, you know, I have a 10 year old single dad. And, you know, so it's, it's kind of something you, your content that your story kind of appeals, you know, to, to me at my age and, you know, I'm 40. And I think just around, you know, all the things we could be doing differently than probably we learned as kids growing up of how we're supposed to parent, at least that's a, for me. So um, I've changed my tune on parenting a lot over the last 10 years, um, and I'm curious to get into that with you. Um, that may be a spot to start if you want. Sure. Yeah, I'm just, I'm always curious because this impact that we have as kids and how that affects not only just our parenting, but also our relationships. Um, and I know that was a big thing, again, early on in relationships and definitely early in parenting. I started to go back to what I learned from my parents, from my grandparents, things that weren't good. Um, from a from a parenting standpoint, how was your upbringing? Did you have good influences, or was it quite the opposite, and and that was a struggle to get out of? Quite the opposite from a from a I would say a direct dad perspective. You know, my mom and biological father were married, I think four years, and then they had me, and then after I was born, like nine months, and you know, I was about nine months old when they got divorced, and my dad left and didn't know him, and he just was completely out of the picture. I have no recollection of my father whatsoever. Uh, my mom did get remarried when I was four. She stayed married to him until I was 10. He was my stepdad. He actually legally adopted me. It was a relationship and a marriage that started out really great and then ended terribly. But every year was a stair step downwards into like, it was, it was terrible um, at the very end. But like my dad, my stepdad drank a lot. My mom drank a lot. There was a lot of fighting, a lot of yelling, a lot of abuse. Um, 
my dad was a weekend dad and I call him dad because he was the only dad that I really knew at the time. Um, he was a weekend dad cause he traveled for work pretty much Monday through Friday. Sometimes he was gone for a couple of weeks at a time. Uh, but when he was home, you know, I just remember very preoccupied, very, very stressed out. He and my mom were fighting a lot. It was not, it, it wasn't a very, it wasn't a good experience at all. Um, he, they got divorced when I was 10 and he left. So like at that point, by the time I was 10, I had two father figures that like just completely exited the picture. Mm. And that was, that was interesting. Um, more interesting though, when I was 12, I actually met my biological father. Uh, it was by mistake. I, I didn't, there was no intention of meeting him. We just, uh, our paths crossed and he only lived three miles from us, had no idea. And, um, we had this relationship for like six months. He was remarried at the time. He had a, uh, two-year-old son, another one on the way. And I remember we spent time together and, uh, I would, he would come to my little league games and I immediately started calling him dad. And it was like the most amazing thing ever, like to be reunited with my own father. And then after about like five months, like I noticed like the, the dynamics in the relationship kind of just start to change. And I couldn't put my finger on it. I was only 12. I just knew something wasn't right. You know, like he just seemed overwhelmed. He seemed stressed out, more distant, kind of cold. And I just remember when I was 12, I picked up the phone one day and I just called him and I said, Hey, you know what, what's going on? You know, like, I, I just feel like something's up. Like, is there everything? Okay. And I'm 12, like 12 years old, you know? And basically, I don't even remember really what was said. It just, it was kind of all a blur. But I do know what the result was, and the result was we parted ways again, and that was freaking tough, man. Like all my friends, you know, had dads at the time. Divorce wasn't as common as it is now, and um, but that was tough. My mom continued to date. She got married again, married total three times, dated several men in between each marriage. Every guy was the same guy, just different face, different name. Partier, drinker, toxic. And I think by the time I was older, like I was just sort of done with it. I was like, for the love of God, just another dude, another loser, right? Mm-hmm. Um, everything kind of culminated though when I was 30. So um went on to college, graduated, married my college sweetheart. I was in the workplace and in the workforce for about six years or so. And we were getting ready to have our first kid. And I was in a coffee shop in St. Louis uh for a business meeting. And who came walking in for their morning coffee, but my father hadn't seen him in 18 years. And that random, he came in to get his morning coffee and I was there for a business meeting, ended up turning into a relationship that we have now. We have had for the past 17 years and it's been interesting. It's been good and it's been tough at the same time, but it's been overall good. We have, I would say we have a friendship Mm -hmm. and, um, we have a relationship. I have two younger half brothers. He's still married to the same woman. Um, good guy. And, but I would say to answer your question, my upbringing with direct father figures was, was not what I wanted or what I, what was a, what I would deem as a good experience. However, I did have this amazing grandfather. Yeah. I spent a lot of time with him on my mom's side. My grandfather was a blue collar worker, was married to my grandmother for 50 plus years. I uh, just loved my grandmother and loved her very publicly. And he was a very empathetic, compassionate, but also tough dude. And he was a blue collar truck driver, you know, hardworking man. Woke up at 3 a.m. every single morning to to drive his 18-wheeler on his routes. And then so he could be home for dinner with his family. 
And that, that man was literally like the glue and like the prime example of just a really fantastic father figure. And I think he really saw what was going on. I only lived a mile from my grandparents growing up and he really just sort of took me under his wing. And he, I spent a lot of time with my grandfather growing up and I think he kind of knew what was going on. He saw the writing on the wall and he really, I think kind of quietly and silently took it upon himself to guide me and help me as, as you know, a father figure would. And I learned some of my best, greatest lessons from him. So to answer your question, my direct father figures and the dudes that were constantly in and out of my life growing up from a direct standpoint, not the best. My grandfather though was amazing. What, uh, did you ever ask your dad why he abandoned you? Yeah. And you know, I make my dad, you know, it's my, my dad sounds like a bum, like on, but he's not, my dad's a very successful entrepreneur. Like he, he's a business owner. Uh, he does, you know, community service in the community. He's been coaching hockey for 30 plus years and, you know, helps Missouri junior hockey run, you know, their program. And, you know, he's good guy. I, I did ask my, I sat my dad down one time early on in our relationship. I asked him out to dinner and I think he knew what was coming. And I, and my dad like sat across me at dinner and we just kind of had small talk and he goes, so why are we here? And I think he knew. And I told him at that point, I was like, listen, I just want to have a conversation about this. And then we don't ever have to talk about it again. But I just want to, I just want to know what happened. I was like, can you please tell me like what the hell happened? Like when I was, when I was first born and then when I was 12 and he really did take a whole lot of ownership, like in the whole thing, he was just like, yeah, you know, he's like, a, you know, I was 25 years old when you were, when I left the first time and me and your mom's divorce was absolutely a nightmare. And she was making it, we, we just didn't have the maturity, you know, to, to make the separation of the divorce somewhat, you know, cop copacetic, somewhat, you know, survivable in a way to where we both felt good about the separation and we we're just kind of at each other. And, you know, your mom was really pushing for me to give up parental rights, especially when your stepdad entered into the picture and me giving me signing those papers were like, like the toughest thing in the world. But I, at the same time, I thought it was your one shot to have like a, like a somewhat decent upbringing, like, you know, where you'd have a dad in the house. He's like, but that was really hard for me. He's like, and then when you were 12, you know, I was getting ready to have my, who my youngest brother is now, he was like, and I was just like, your, your, your mom and me again, were just like, it was, it was very tough. And the dynamic was very odd, you know? Um, and to be honest, I was like a, in my mid thirties and I was trying to figure out life and navigating and starting over. And I made that decision. It was a terrible decision. So he owned it. Yeah. And he's like, and it's a decision I've regretted ever since. And I, I have, to, I have to live with that. And you know, do you, do you want to hear a rather interesting story that's more current? Of course. Yeah. So this is kind of, you know, when, when, so my boys, all four of them, I would say the older, not so much the younger two, the nine and seven year old, they don't really understand, but my 15 and 17 year old, they really understand. And they don't ask a whole lot of questions and I don't tell them a whole lot unless they really ask. But my 15 year old, he's kind of like this observant ninja, like he kind of sees and hears all. And we were getting ready to go over there for Christmas this past year. And my son looked at me and he goes, you know, so we're going over to grandma and papa's today. Right. I'm like, yeah. And he goes, do you like going over there? 
And when your kids ask you, you like very poignant questions like that, you know that their wheels have been turning on something. And, and I just kind of smiled at him. I'm like, why do you ask? And he's like, I don't know. He's like, I think about him not being a part of your life. And I think about you being a part of my life. And I think about like, if you were to leave me twice, like I would never forgive you. It would be so hard for me. I was like, yeah. I was like, it's not to say that it, it's not easy. I was like, you know, it, it's hard. I was like, but you know, Mason, you reach a point in your life where you realize everybody's a human being and people make the decisions that they make in the time that seem like they're right and they're not right. And then they regret them. I was like, forgiveness for me, I was like, is I, I could hold a grudge against my dad, but that's like me drinking poison and hope he feels it. That's not going to help anything. I was like, you know who I really feel sorry for, Mason? He's like, who? I was like, my dad. I was like, think about this. I was like, I'm not saying I'm better than my dad. I will never say that. I will never say I'm better than anybody else. But I can live my life knowing that I give everything that I have, attention-wise, emotional, physical, presence, and intention to my kids, to you guys. There isn't a day that goes by that, I don't get to tell you I love you. I, I get to hug you. I get to be with you, be at your games, you know, be a part of your life, watch you do life, be a part of it, right? My dad didn't do that. I was like, you know who who has to live with that is him. I was like, I can't even fathom Mason for the life of me. That deep down, really, really deep down, my dad probably harbors so much regret and so much he's holding on to probably a ton and I don't, I, I don't think I could deal with that and he has to deal with that. So he's the one I, I actually feel sorry for him. My, my, he kind of looked at me. He's like, but you feel sorry for him. I was like, yeah, I was like, cause I don't know if I could live with that, yeah. but he has to. Yeah. That's interesting when you think about it. Yeah. Cause, and that's the thing. If you're, if you're harboring all that emotion, it's like, how does that serve you at all? It doesn't. Yeah, it so doesn't. I think the forgiveness is a, is a huge step forward. And probably, you know, maybe we can all relate. We probably didn't have that when we were younger. It's something you learn over time of like, why am I even wasting the energy on this? Right. You know, there's a different way I can direct it, right? Yeah. When you, uh, so obviously based on all that, you know, that, that you went through there, how did that affect your, your relationship with your wife? Maybe even as an early parent, did you have some of those, I don't know if there was an emotions that were apart and that could be from your dad. It could also be the things you experienced with your mom. Did that help or hurt your relationships at all? Like, did you learn from it prior or did you get into some challenges early on that you had to overcome? Man, I luckily I'm with the woman that I am cause she's been super patient with me and I really struggled with just relationship skills and dynamics in the beginning of our relationship, even in college. I mean, there was, there was a blueprint, you know, that I had growing up that, and this sounds really weird of, as I say it out loud, is that every marriage ends in, ends in divorce. Every relationship ends and it doesn't end well. And I always, it, it's kind of crazy because when you grow up and you have this revolving door of, you see your mom go or dad, doesn't matter, but you see that, that person go through relationship after relationship after relationship after relationship, you start to believe that that's just how life works is that you just have a revolving door of romantic relationships and one day they just come to an end 
I was terrified to get married. I was with my, I dated my wife for seven years before I asked her to marry me, which was kind of crazy at the time. Like all of our friends were getting married and I, I told Jessica, I was like, I'm just, I'm terrified to get married. I was like, I really love you and I don't want this to end. And she's like, and she came from the opposite upbringing that I did. She's like, why would it end? Like her rationale and mine were totally opposite. And right. I was like, because that's what happens. And she's like, that's not what happens. Like there's not one person. There's not one person in her family. I think going back like a couple of generations, probably a few generations, there's not one known person in my wife's entire family who's ever been divorced. Not one, which is, so she comes from this background of like, oh no, you, you have a mate for life, right? No matter what you see through it, you work through it. But my relationship skills with my wife was, it was kind of crazy. I sort of did marriage from like this arm's length a little bit yeah. and I did fatherhood the same way. So I didn't, it wasn't like abusive to my kids or my wife or anything like that, but I wasn't in it. Like I was half in it at the most, but I was your typical guy who, especially when we started having kids, I didn't know what I was doing and I get very frustrated. I was quick to anger. I didn't beat my kids. I didn't like drink too much and call them names or anything like that. Like I was growing up, but I definitely didn't give it the attention it truly deserved. The The best way I can describe it is think of, you know, somebody you see in the gym, if you're like a gym person and it's the person that works out and you know that they're in there for like, I'm, I'll go in for 25 minutes. I'll do my curls and my air squats and my abs and then I'll just leave. Mm -hmm. Right. So they're just kind of half in it, half out. They're just showing up to check the box. And then you have your people who are like die hard, right? They're just in there. They're crushing every workout. They're, they're, they're in that exercise routine and that's the way they live their life. I was, I was the person going in for, I was checking the box yeah. and that was not the way to live. How did you then make, cause obviously what you're doing today is it seems like there's a complete 180 there. Totally, um, yeah. So what, was there a catalyst moment that changed that? Totally. Yeah. And it wasn't a pretty one. I joke with, uh, I, I, I joke with people and they're like, how did you come up with the dad edge? And I, I joke about this and, and it's kind of funny to see the look on people's faces. If you know who John Bernthal is, he's the Punisher. And uh, he had me on his podcast, The Real Ones. And, and I flew out to California and we we sat down face to face. And um, he's just a really cool dude. And he, he's been a fan of, he, he listens to every single episode of The Dad Edge. I had no idea. He was like such an uber fan of the show. And when we sat down and he was just like, hey, how'd The Dad Edge start? And I kind of, I, I joked with him, but I didn't tell him it was a joke. I was like, yeah, man. I was like, it was a Sunday morning, like 12 years ago. You know, I woke up, opened up the blinds. The sun was shining just right. Sun hit my face. And I just had this epiphany. I suddenly knew everything there was to know about being a good husband and father. And I just had to share it with the world. And you should have seen like the look on Bernthal's face. Like he just, like his eyes and like, he just sunk like, holy crap. I can't believe I just invited this guy to come to California. And this, this is the BS. And he just like paused. And I was like, dude, I'm full of crap. I'm totally kidding with you. Come on, man. He just like, we both started laughing. And I was like, no, I was like, it was actually a horrible dark moment. You know, I always, cause I was, I was hit a lot growing up. So I always was like, you know, when I'm a dad, I'm not going to hit my kids out of anger. Like I, I know that much. My kid, my kids are going to know who their father is. I'm going to do whatever I can to make this a good experience. And it, it wasn't that. So on the day that good dad projects now, which, which is now the dad edge started, my oldest was six, my youngest was four. And I only had two boys at the time, not, not four. And um, I had just, it just had a cluster of bad things happen that day. Uh, we were getting ready to move and my wife and I, we cannot stand 
moving. It's like literally we we just hate it. Like we've done it three times and we despise it. So we were getting ready to move and I was packing. I also found out that day I was in medical device sales and I found out that day that I lost my number one customer to one of my competitors. It was going to impact our income by like 30, 40% over the next 18 months. And I was, I felt like a loser, not just financially, but like, I just felt like a loser. I'm like, holy crap. I just lost my number one customer, like my bread and butter for the whole territory. And, um, so I was in a really bad headspace and I was packing up the kid's playroom and my four-year-old who's 15 now, he came downstairs and I was getting ready to take a break. And I said, Hey, I was like, I just got done packing up all these toys. I was like, you can play with the toys that are out, but please don't unpack anything. You know, dad just spent the last three hours packing this stuff up. And I was just nasty headspace. Well, I come downstairs 30 minutes later. And what do you think happened? Yeah. You know, the four-year-old wants to get to his toys. Right. right. Yeah. And out of anger, just reaction, I spanked him. And I had never spanked him and I spanked him hard and I didn't realize how hard I spanked him, but he lost his footing and he fell. And when he toppled over, like I was, I was hit a lot growing up. I was slapped in the face. I was thrown down. I was all kinds of really crazy stuff. So I knew what that felt like. And immediately when I did it and when I saw him trip, I was like, I, something in me just triggered. I was like, Oh my God, what did I just do? And then I went to go help him up. And he had this look on his face. Like he was terrified of me. Like he even like shuddered with his hands. Like, don't pick me up. And I, that moment was so surreal for me because I remember being in that position, like where some where a bigger, stronger man was hitting me and I just wanted him to stop or I was terrified or I knew a beating was coming and I would just be like, and that was it, man. That was it. Even my wife, who is the most appreciative, supportive, she doesn't nag me. Like she is the epitome of appreciation and respect, and she will build you up. And she will only call you out on things if she's like, whoa, that's that's bad. Like if something's yeah. really bad, she'll be like, uh, Larry, you need to think about this a little differently or something or whatever, right? So like she looked at me and she's like, Wow, really? Really? He's Larry, he's four. He's four. And in that moment when your wife never calls you out on that, you I, I listen to my wife when she does that. And I was like, oh my God, I disappointed myself. I hurt my son. I disappointed my wife. Like I went into my office and what do you do when you have a bad moment as an adult? <laughs> you go into your computer and and you you go on social media and you just start scrolling because you just want to distract yourself and look at everybody else's life and not think about your own. And in that moment, I saw this button in the left-hand corner. It said, create a page. I never created a page and I just hit that button and the thing pops up and it says, what do you want to name your page? And the words, the good dad project just rolled off my heart. I, I, and onto that keyboard. I, I, I truly think I, I'm a big believer in faith and God. And I did not have a hand in that, that night. That was, that was all God. I, I truly, truly believe that. And that was a surrender for me. And I looked at my life, I looked at like medical device sales, right? I looked at my degree, which was a sports medicine degree with a minor in nutrition. I looked at other things I did like martial arts. I had been doing martial arts for like about 10 years at that point. I started looking at things I was somewhat decent at. My job, I knew everything you know, there was to know about the body and exercise and nutrition. And I knew a, little, a thing or two about martial arts. And I was like, why am I good at these things? Well, I'm good at these things because there's a community, there's training there's someone who's teaching me 
there's a curriculum like they don't if you're a medical device rep you don't they don't just send you into the or and be like hey best of luck best time of your life don't worry you'll figure it out right. like you have to go through rigorous training to even know what the sterile field is like where you can and can't walk right and things like that and martial arts you know like i took hapkido taekwondo um krav maga and you know, each one has their own disciplines and how to throw a punch and how to throw a kick and how to do this lock and this hold and the submission and all this. No one throws you into the cage or a tournament and be like, hey, you're going to go up against this black belt. Don't worry. Best time of your whole life, you'll figure it out. I mean, you can do that. You'll get pummeled. So I started looking at these areas of my life. I'm like, well, my, why am I good? Well, I'm good because of all these, all this, there's resources. It's like, well, what is there for dads? And I literally started Googling things. I'm like, what, what can I learn? Like what, what books are out there? What podcasts? There was like hardly anything in 2011, 2012. And I was like, I'm just going to start this Facebook page. And I'll just, my goal, I was like, I'm just going to learn one new thing. And I'm just going to put it here. I never did it for a following. I never did it because I wanted to start a podcast. I never did it because I wanted to, I didn't even know what those things were. I mean, I knew what they were, but I wouldn't, I didn't have any idea how to start one. And I started like just posting things there, just very authentically of things I was learning. And I started to get a following. And I'll never forget the very first thing that ever happened. It was in 2013. I'd been doing it for about a year or two. And I get this random DM from this woman. And she's like, hey, I'm local here in St. Louis. Call me. I have something for you. I have an opportunity for you. So I call her and I'm like, what's up? And she goes, hey, I'm a part of a mom's group of this church. There's 350 of us. We have a meeting in a month. Um, and we want you to come speak at it. And I'm like, about what? And she's like, about what it means to be a good dad. I'm like, you got the wrong guy. I was like, that's not me. I was like, I'm just learning. She's like, no, no, no. There's a lot of us that follow your page. And that's what we like about it is the fact that you're so authentic, you know, and you're so, you, you tell people how you're screwing up, like, and we want you to come talk to us. And I was like, so I did that and I couldn't believe how it was received. And I was like, man, maybe, maybe there is something here. I don't know. So 2013 started the blog, 2015 started the podcast and 2016, we started our mastermind and I would have never thought in a million years, we'd be doing what we're doing now for men, husbands and fathers, but it's been surreal. That's crazy. The, and, and you know, the consistency of while, well, well, that's a great story. Um, and obviously that you learn from that because, you know, I think we all go through that as parents. If you don't learn from it, though, you keep, you know, keep on instilling that kind of that what you went through as a kid. So the fact that you learn that and turn it into a positive is, is huge. So um, obviously, we all appreciate that, that, that listens to the podcast and, and you know, listen to your stuff. Um, I'm curious is when you think about this, let's say from a business standpoint, when you start, let's say 2014, 15, you're kind of progressing and you're starting to seeing, you know, it's growing the medical device sales. What was the plan there? Was there at some point you're saying, hey, I want to do this full time? Did you have a long term plan in place or was it, did it kind of just happen organically one day? You're like, God, maybe, I, maybe I'm going to leave this business. It was always it was always like a, I always viewed the day early on in 2015 and 16. I, I viewed the dad edge as a, a therapeutic hobby. Like I, I, I still view the podcast the exact same way. I, I don't, a lot of people be like, are you monetizing the podcast? Are you doing that? I'm like, no, I get that all the time. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm like, no, I was like, I, I, I just really enjoy doing it. They're like, well, you should, you should, you know, do revenue for it. Like you should create that as a business. And I'm like, I'm good. Like I just get, I get to talk to these amazing, like Navy SEALs and these celebrities and all this stuff. Like I, 
I'm good. Like I, I, that's what I want. I just want to learn. Like, I just want to learn from experts in their field. That's what the podcast started as that, that has not changed. You know, the podcast is still that, you know, every season, I almost said every year, but every season I'm a dad, things change. So it's great. It, like I see this evolution of, you know, when I first started the podcast, when my oldest was nine and now he's 17. And so being able to have this podcast and be the, I guess the, the person who's in charge of this movement is I, I get to have a front row seat and learn. But, um, you know, I, I think when, once 2016 hit, we, we started data edge mastermind and that's when we first started, you know, having revenue. And then I launched a book in 2015. So suddenly it became like, wow, we're, I'm not just paying for, you know, podcast editing anymore. Like I'm actually, I actually have revenue now to support like my expenses at least. So I was just like, it's just a hobby. Well, then when we launched data edge mastermind, I, we, we would take on like 10 to 15 men at a time and we have what we would have more and more guys apply for it. And I think at one point in time we were running, you know, five call teams of 10 men, 50 guys. And I'm like, my God, I was like, this is becoming like really, it's becoming hard to actually manage it now. And in 2017, we started data Alliance mastermind, which was an ongoing mastermind. Just, it never ends. And you just, we, we keep teaching guys and keep helping men and, well, I started really realizing in 2018, I was like, maybe I could go full time with this. And it was hard because, you know, medical device sales is a very lucrative career. And I thought I was a moron, you know, for thinking like, wow, could I actually make this, this jump and this move? And in 2021, May of 2021, actually it's to the day almost as we, you and I are recording, i made that decision to leave. And I think looking back on it, I had two years, I could have left two years prior, uh, but I went ahead and left. And now I'm sitting, I, I always thought I was like, well, I have the bandwidth to do both. I can do both. Like I'll be fine. I didn't realize how much more I could actually do if I just focused on this. And the past two years, it has exploded. So I'm wondering, I'm like, man, maybe I should have left like two years before that, like in 2019, but it is what it is and everything happens for a reason. Well, I think that's one of the other th the things underscore and talk a lot of the podcast. Like it's not this, everyone has this grand vision of like, oh, I'm going to build an app next month and then I'm going to have right. this unbelievable billion dollar business and everything's going to work great. The reality is, I mean, you literally, it was 10 years, nine, 10 years, right? That you actually did this and kind of slowly built it over time. And I think that's one thing that kind of just makes sure we underscore is like, it doesn't happen overnight, but the consistency is a big thing. What are you over like a thousand episodes now on the podcast and right. obviously with all the masterminds and stuff. So it's just, it, it's incredible to see that someone that sticks with it and still has the passion for it, what you can bring it to. And that, that's the thing. A lot of times, sometimes you stop, you know, I see folks stop after episode 12 of doing their podcast, like, oh, I'm not getting any traction. It's like, what do you expect? You know, right. I mean, come on now. So I I help guys with so I, some of the, some of the coaching I do. I wouldn't say it's my preferred coaching, but it is something that I'm good at, and it's only I'm only good at it because like I I have really figured. I mean, I've been doing it for now for eight years, and I know what what works. I know what doesn't work. Um, I, I know what to do, what not to do. I've made the big mistakes. Um, so I do some coaching around podcasting, and I always tell guys when they want help, I'm like, listen, 
We're, we'll work together for three months. I'm going to teach you everything that I that I know, and I'm going to help you avoid the mistakes that every podcaster makes. And one of those is exactly that. I was like, you got to give your podcast twelve months, and you you the number one thing is you've got to be consistent. You can never if you're if your audience is accustomed to you launching a show every Monday and you miss, yeah, you've lost people. And that's one of the hardest things is like a lot of people think, well, I'm going to buy my microphone, my headset, my mixer and and just go the way I coach men and coach. And I prefer to do to prefer men who podcast is that you got to have 12 weeks of content in the bank before you ever even launch. And then you've got to give it one full year before you're going to see really any traction. I think there's actually a term out there right now called pod burn where people just completely fry themselves out, you know, and they're scrambling. Like I'm always four to six weeks ahead of every single episode and I launch three a week. So it's really important that if you're, yeah, I have one guy who reached out to me. He's like, if you could offer one piece of advice for a guy who's starting a podcast, what would it be? I was like, get a coach. I'm not even kidding. Get a coach. Like if, because there's too much in that one question to answer, like, Oh, do this one thing and you'll be successful. You've got to do a hundred things. Yeah. Well, otherwise your podcast, and you know this because you've been podcasting, so you get it. Gosh, I mean, yeah, I'm in, I'm in what? Oh, well, in year six, I guess. But in 2017, I started in the fall. And I think to back what you just said there, like I was launching like, I would like do an episode or maybe two and then I'd launch it. And it's like you're scrambling to get the next yeah. one. Now I'm in the same boat. I'm generally four to eight weeks, depending on the time yeah. of year ahead. And, uh, and then, and then I already have guests that are signed up to interview like you, yeah. like your episode is not going to launch tomorrow, right? It'll launch in a little right. while. So it's, it's kind of the same thing. I think it's having that planning and understanding though, that this is the big thing is now I, I'm curious how you think now versus maybe 10 years ago, I used to think in days, right? When I was younger, like, oh, let me do this, whatever. Then it was years. And now it's decades. Like just get started. I'm going to do for the next 50 years. So it's like, it changes the mentality of of how I plan and how I do things. Do you think similarly with, with your uh, business? A little bit. Um, I don't, I definitely don't plan in decades. Uh, so what we do with our guys and we even do this with our clients is we do the 12 month and the five-year vision. Mm -hmm. And I actually just had to redo my five-year vision for my personal accountability group. So I'm in, I'm in an accountability group of four, of four guys. I'm one of four. Mm -hmm. And we just had to refresh and renew our five-year vision, our vision boards, 12-month outcomes, all those things. I don't like to necessarily do decades because so many things change and so many things are dynamic. And while I think it's great to have a big vision of, of certain things, I want my plan past five years to be a little bit more fluid because things will change. Yeah. Um, the, the other thing too is that there are th having, and having four boys is super dynamic. So you know, if I, uh, I, I never would have thought like right now we're in a season where all four boys are in some sort of activity and maybe even two. So we have two in track, two in soccer. We also do PSR. I'm getting ready to start. I'm getting ready to coach my little, my youngest guys, uh, baseball team in the summer. So like, I don't like to necessarily cast like, Hey, this is my vision. Because I like to roll with like, hey, what are, what are the dynamics of the family? Because I have five of the people I need to think about and their schedules and what they're doing. And if I'm solely focused on what I want to do and my my accomplishments, I'm not going to be really focused on theirs. So, and I always say, you know, as soon as I start getting a little fried or burnt out or just like there's a ton of things coming at me and I start to 
and that starts to spill over my family, I, I kind of have this mantra of like, this can't be all for nothing. Like if my, if my family is sacrificing for this, then it was all, it's, it's not worth it. So I always, I really, everything that I talk about on the podcast, everything, everything I talk about in the mastermind, I live it, I breathe it. And when, when there's time to create more attention into the family, I have to step back and, and create that time. Even if it's at the sacrifice of things that we're doing in dad edge. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. And, and just to be clear, because someone's going to be like, well, Brian, how do you have planned a decades out? What I meant was thinking in decades, meaning, hey, I yeah. know I'm going to do this podcast for a while. So like, I'm yeah. not going to just give up after 10 kind of thing. Um, let, let me ask you, well, by the way, what, how cool was it? And I don't know, maybe in past episodes, if you've had your sons involved, but um, how cool was it asking the question to Nikki Six last episode you had? Was that a cool experience? It was. And, um, so my, my oldest is he plays several instruments. He's in, he loves music. He wants to play music professionally when he gets older. And so his, his plan is to go to college, get a degree in entrepreneurship with a minor in music. Cause what he wants to do is he wants to be a part of a professional band and he wants to manage his own band. So I think that's brilliant. And he is a huge eighties rock fan. So he loves ACDC. He loves Def Leppard, Poison, Motley Crue. He loves Motley Crue. And, uh, so when I told him, I was like, Hey man, we locked in Nikki six. He's like, are you kidding? He's like, you can pull me out of school for that. Right. <laughs> and so I pulled him out of school. I'm like, of course, like you, you, you'll never forget the day you missed geometry, but you'll, but you'll never forget. I said, you'll forget the day that you missed geometry, but you'll never forget the day you talked to Nikki six. And I told my son, I was like, I want you to take the last question. I do not want you to tell me what the question is. I want it to be authentic as possible. So when you ask it, my son asked Nikki six, what is one piece of advice you'd give to my generation for teens? I was like, and I knew my son like really looked up to Molly Crew just because not necessarily for the characteristics. I mean, Nikki six is a great dude now, but man, did he go through some stuff. Right. Yeah. And I literally held my breath and I was like, Oh my God, whatever this man tells my son is going to be like super glue on his heart. So it better be good. And I held my breath and I could not have been more pleased of what Nikki told my son because, you know, he, he told my son, he's like, yeah, he's like, that's a really great, he even applauded Ethan. He's like, that's a great question, Ethan. And he kind of thought about it. He's like, all right, here's what I would tell you. He's like, and this is going to be a shotgun blast to your face, but I'm not going to pull any punches. He goes, you know, when I was younger, Ethan, he goes, I used to, you know, we'd sneak a beer at my buddy's house, you know, you know, when I was your age, like 15, 16, 17, you know, we would grab a joint, smoke it, you know, or whatever at my, my buddy's house and, you know, grab his dad's stash or whatever like that. He goes, your generation, Ethan, drugs will straight up kill you. He's like, it's laced with fentanyl. It's laced with other things. He's like, there isn't a month that goes by that I don't read my local newspaper or something like that to where a local young athlete who tried drugs for the first time died from cardiac arrest because he tried the wrong thing. He goes, you can't screw around with drugs this day and age. Like we did recreationally growing up. He's like, because it will kill you. He's like, so, you know, I would tell you that if you have friends that are doing drugs and they're passing you a joint. And he's like, I would really second guess that. Cause you have no idea what's in that. And he's like, and Ethan was like, wow, that's really good advice. He's like, yeah, 
it's, it's either that or be in a coffin. So I'd rather just tell you how it is. And I will tell you, man, that episode that you listened to at Nikki six, that's a replay. Um, I like to every, every year what I do is I take, uh, we, we kind of pull the top 10 episodes okay. that people download they like. And so we replay them cause they like them. So that was actually a year ago. So it's been a year since he's talked to Nikki six and over this past year, you know, he's 17 now. His, some of some people in his, it, it's, it's very common in his social circle that people are doing things like that. Wow. And my son is not partaking. And I freaking love that. I'm like, why, why not? He's like, why would I, you remember what Nikki six said? And I just, if I could hug Nikki six, yeah, I would, I, I would tell that guy, I'm like, dude, you have no idea. Like the amount of peer pressure you've taken off my kid just by giving him that advice. Yeah. And I'm sure I'm assuming that'll trickle down to the other kids, you know, as well. I mean, I you hope, hope you, would, you, know? you would hope, yeah, you would hope. Yeah. But, you know. I, I, I will say this. He was in a situation where one person was doing it and the person asked him like, Hey, um, do you mind if I do this? And my son was like, you can, I'm not. And I asked my son, I was like, what do you do? He was like, he didn't do it. I was like, really? I was like, why do you think that is? He's like, I don't know. I was like, I do. I was like, I have an idea. I was like, I think he, you, you were, you were the level up, right? You were the example. So people will, you're either, you're always going to rise in, in a group. You're not going to lower yourself to the lowest person in the group. You're going to rise to the highest person. That's why it's always important to always be people, be around people who are ahead of you. I was like, I would bet that he didn't do that because he had to rise to where you were at versus the other way around. So I think there's something to be said about that. And that might be a good place to end our conversation. Uh, Larry, I know you got to get going and uh, I, I, I could probably talk to you for a few hours. There's a lot of other rabbit holes. Uh, if you'd be open, come on for a part two down the road. That'd I would be love fun. to. And yeah. Be a lot of fun. But um, any lasting words of wisdom, insights, thoughts, where people can check you out, anything that you'd like to share? Yeah. You know, so th this sounds self-serving, but, and, and I don't mean it to be, I, I say this because I truly believe in it because I've experienced it myself. When it comes to fatherhood and parenting, parenting, fatherhood, marriage, if you don't know what you're doing and you feel lost, well, join the club. You know, it's, it's really okay. But what I will tell you is that there are now no excuses. There are resources to help you communicate better with your wife, to, level up the intimacy with your wife, to have more patience and calm and connection with your kids than ever before. So I will say, maybe you came from a background where you're just like, man, I was just, it was just hard. And like, and I have a blueprint of what not to do. Join again, join the club. It's not your fault if you don't know what to do. It is your fault if you don't do anything about it. Yeah. And what I, what I can tell you is men thrive in community. And if you do not have a trusted board of advisors, a trusted circle of friends, and I'm not talking about your drinking buddies, okay? That is not the ones you go watch the Patriots with and, you know, throw back six beers and you talk about the same three things. What I'm talking about is getting conversations where it's like, you know, hey, Brian, how's everything going with your marriage? How's communication? Are you taking your wife out on date nights? Are you guys having sex frequently? Are you on the same page with parenting? Are you calm with your kids? Are you patient with your kids? Are you connecting with your kids? How, what kind of conversations are you having with your kids? Those are the conversations you need to be around. Um, and again, you know, it sounds self-serving, but we have, the, we have the Alliance, the, the mastermind for, for guys. Um, you can find all that at the dadedge.com. We have 
tons of free resources, tons of actually free trainings, podcasts you can find anywhere. Um, I'm really active on Instagram. If you want to follow me on Instagram at the dad edge, but I would tell you that you don't have to go at fatherhood and marriage and life alone. You can surround yourself with the right people. That's awesome, Larry. Well, thank you so much, man. This was a lot of fun and uh, I appreciate the conversation. Back at you, man. This was fun. Thank you for having me. This is such an honor. Hey, everyone. And just one more quick thing before you head off on your day. If you're enjoying this podcast and are looking for other resources and tools to help you get started and move forward toward a happier and more fulfilling life, then I'd encourage you to head over to my website, brianondraco.com, and hit the subscribe button in the upper right corner. There you can find my newsletter and blog subscriptions, where I share insights and information around getting unstuck, perspective, mindset, relationships, habits, and much more. If you get a chance to sign up, I hope you enjoy. Thanks again for listening in and have a phenomenal day.